Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. I hope you all enjoyed the last episode I released. It was the heavy metal quiz featuring the three members of Armstrong Gun. That one seems to have gone down quite well. And as I said uh, at the end of that episode, it's something I'll definitely be revisiting in the future. It's a very popular format, it seems. And I quite enjoyed listening back to that one and editing it and the response it got as well. Uh, Actually, Lewis, I still owe you a prize and I have it here on my desk. I just keep forgetting to post it, but I am going to post it. I'll do it this week. Apologies about that if you're listening. This episode is a continuation of what I started on episode 81 with my good friend George Solano, who you'll know as one half of the Judas Priestcast podcast. Priestcast podcast? Probably redundant to say that. You knew what I was talking about. Anyway, we spoke at the time about the new wave of traditional heavy metal, and we left that episode off by saying that we were going to delve into some specific releases, maybe some new releases, from bands who fall under the banner of the new wave of traditional heavy metal. So that's exactly what this is. This episode focuses on three from 23, which means three releases that were released this year who are by new wave of traditional heavy metal bands. Uh, This is a fairly long episode, so I won't keep you too long here. I'm going to dive straight into it. So this is my chat with George we had a few weeks ago. And actually, since this was recorded, we've got another one in the can. So there's going to be another installment of this same format coming at you quite soon. Risky Georgeness. Hello, Fergal. What is good? What's the story? How are you? Or Sir Fexalot, as they say, as some people call you. <laughs> yeah, one or two people. All right, yeah. Or Andy from... Uh, Andy, who you met at uh, Iron Maiden, just calls me Feck. Ah, yeah. Keep it short. Keep it simple. I like it. <laughs> um, how are you? Good. I ha- Good. A little nervous. I haven't recorded a podcast in two months. I hope I remember how to do this. Shit. Okay. Right. Um, that's fair enough. I, I'm trying to think of the last time I recorded this. No, I'll be fine. Uh, I haven't recorded in a while either. I wonder when that was. So today, this evening, tonight, or it's nearly tomorrow here. We're going to talk about... Or whatever time of day it is, whenever you're listening. Of course, yeah, of course. Set the scene. Um, we're going to talk about some new wave of traditional heavy metal bands who we selected uh, to discuss. And this is kind of subtitled 3 from 23. And of course, that means three bands that released a new album in 2023. Not necessarily brand new bands, but releases that are new for this year. And we wanted to focus on particularly music that's new. Uh, because, well, actually, it's a chat we were having there recently, and I think it would be nice to lead in with this, is um, I was chatting to you there the other day, and we were talking about the fact that there's a large contingent of music fans, and it creeps into heavy metal as well, of course, who do not discover any new bands. And there's probably a multitude of reasons for that. But beyond a certain point, they have their favorite bands. They might have their favorite bands from the 80s and 90s. And then it's they have kind of have this cutoff point of, right, I'm not interested in discovering any new music anymore. The bands I have will do me for the rest of my life. I've got Iron Maiden, I've got Judas Priest, I've got ACDC, I've got Queensryche, I've got whatever. And really, I don't have the energy. I'm not speaking about myself, of course, but like these types of people, I don't have the energy to That's go and discover. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? I know we discussed it with one another, but for the listener and who people who probably have some of the same thoughts on it as us, why do you think that is? Or why do you think that happens to people after a certain age? I am going to quote back to the study I read where there was a findings that the average age when people start checking out and, or I should say they're checking out of the scene and they're not really discovering new music anymore. That tends to happen to a lot of people around their age, early thirties 
and that's not even exclusive to metal. That's just across the board. Uh, there's human psychology. People become comfortable with what they know and are familiar with. And the process of discovery, it's not that it becomes harder. You can find anything you want with just a few quick Googles or YouTube searches. But I think people don't, they run out of steam and they run out of capacity for trying new things. Yeah. Okay. And it's interesting you said there, you can find anything that you want. And I think want is the key word here. So I have a lot of friends who are the same age as me, 37, 38. Uh, we all grew up together. And I know if I get into one of their cars to go, like they give me a lift somewhere, I know the music they're going to put on is music that they liked when they're in their 20s. Um, and like I have one particular friend and I know if I get into his car, I, I almost can predict what type of tunes they're going to play. And I know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to put on a Spotify playlist, a playlist he has curate, curated, uh, which captures all of the music that he liked uh, 15, 20 years ago. And I know for a fact that uh, this person, he, he's not going to listen to this anyway, but <laughs> I know that he's never, ever going to bother his arse listening to any new bands. But he was such a huge music fan back in the day. And we would have kind of traded bands and this isn't my friend Kevin by the way in case you're wondering it was him not him uh, he, he's well up to speed with a lot of new bands um, but we would have traded bands back in the day even swapped cassettes this is how far we're going back on uh, CDs and ripped each other's music collections from our PCs onto our MP3 players all this but I just know after a certain point he just kind of gave up and I kind of think it's I won't say it's sad but I think it's a shame that people do this because as you said everything is there at the click of a button and you go, you've got Spotify, you've got Bandcamp, you've got uh, the world at your fingertips. And while it's never been so easy for people to discover new music after a certain point, it's almost like it's never been as difficult for them to to care about it. Or it's never been, you know, sorry, it's so difficult for them to actually care about it. The older you get and the more albums and the more songs you hear, it's harder for you to remember all of them. It's harder for each individual album or song to make an impact because it's competing with everything else that you've already heard. And people don't have infinite memory and they don't have infinite time. And I think that's what leads a lot of people to stop checking out new music, even though they may be aware that some of it out there is pretty relevant to their taste. Yeah, and I suppose it's the old kind of story of going to the restaurant and ordering the meal that you always have because you know it's great, or trying something new, which might not be as nice, but also it might be delicious. You never know. Yeah, you get some of that in there. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it. there's anything wrong with having a comfort band or having favorite bands. I mean, you're listening to a podcast of two guys who love Iron Maiden, and they've been around for... 40 years and we've been fans of them for half our lives but uh you know what there's more than iron maiden there absolutely is yeah and uh i suppose that's what we're going to discuss on this episode so we've taken this approach of three from 23 and it's deliberately to listen to new bands and this came up during our initial discussion um our initial discussion episode one you know of the new wave of traditional heavy metal sub-series we're doing here and there are a lot of bands that i've almost become comfortable with even from the new wave of traditional heavy metal. So, for example, the bands that I named in the last episode, ones that I've been listening to for years. So I'm kind of even getting a bit comfortable myself. So it's time to shake it up a bit, I think, and talk about some new bands. So do you want to inform the listener about which bands we've chosen for this? I'm with you, man. Today, we've got three bands that were new to me this year. They have earlier releases, 
but none of them have been around for too long, more than a few years. Now, all three of these bands and albums we're going to talk about today have fantasy lyrics, so there's a connection, but I think <laughs> musically, you'll find that each of them is going somewhere different. Yeah. And we're going to listen to three bands called Tanith, Blazing Wright, and Century. Excellent, yes. So, um, I'll give you a bit of background on my experience with these bands. So, Century actually played at Keep It True Rising, but I missed them. Um, this was, uh, I think, in 2021, before they even had any release out. They may, no, I don't even think they had a single. They just had a demo out at the time. So, demo while they- 2020. While, yeah, exactly. So I had an opportunity to see them, but I don't think my train pulled in to Würzburg until they were actually already off the stage. Um, did they play at Hell's Heroes, though? They did play at Hell's Heroes this year, 2023, that is. And it was actually impressive because their debut album hadn't dropped yet, but yeah. they had some buzz and the, they were playing early in the day, like three o'clock or something like that. And the room was pretty full, so that's not nothing. No, it's not, yeah. And there is a bit of buzz about this band, of course. Um, they only released their first album this year, but in the last year or so, I remember there being quite a bit bit of buzz in it, in anticipation of this release coming out. So that's Century. They're from uh, Stockholm in Sweden. They, As you said there, they had a demo out in 2020. They had a couple of singles out in 2022 and 23. And their first full length called The Conquest of Time, which we'll be discussing, was out on the 21st of April this year. Okay, and the other, one of the two other bands we're going to talk about is Tanith, as you mentioned there. Well, they say they're based in Brooklyn, New York, but of course, uh, one of the members is from Satan. It's uh, Russ Tippins, the guitar player from Satan. And he actually shares vocals with a female vocalist on this called uh, Cindy Maynard. And they were formed in 2017. So they say they're based in the US, but they have one English member, although I think he lives in the US, actually. So that might be correct. Um, Russ Tippins, do you know that for a fact or am I just making stuff up here? Hey, uh, don't quote me on it because I don't have the answer either. OK, so, fair enough. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the uh, great band started out in 2017 with a single released their debut album in 2019 and they had two guitarists back then now they're a power trio and russ handles all the guitars himself but as you said it's a dual vocalist band and i personally love music that has both male and female vocals uh, actually let's not go down that rabbit hole save it for when we're talking about the album Sure. Yeah, I have some notes on that myself. So um, I will say that there is a guest musician on this album, Voyage. So they have a guest guitarist um, called Andy Blacksugar, who definitely plays at least some of the solos on this. So it's not just Russ. Um, they did get somebody to fill in and play additional solos as well, just for the album, though. But uh, OK, that's Tanit. And then the third band is Blazing Right. So they're from the US as well, from Philadelphia, and they have had two full lengths in an EP, EP out in 2020. Uh, the first album, Endless Halls of Golden Totem. I love their album titles and song titles. We'll get into that as well. Endless Very Halls of Golden Totem. Yeah, I actually haven't listened to the first album, but it was out in 2021. And then in 2023, they released their second album, Wild Rights and Ancient Songs. And as you said, all of these bands have fantasy based lyrics. They're all a bit kind of proggy as well, I'd say, maybe in some respects. Um, so they're that kind of end of the spectrum of heavy metal that we'd be covering today. And it was kind of almost a random choice. We have a, a, a working list of about 12 bands, I think now, or 12 releases. And we happen to choose these three. But there is a kind of a theme that underpins them in that kind of fantasy element. Yes, they're all fantasy-based, 
and they're all new to me for this year. I think, uh, I think Blazing Right is new to you and the other bands you had at least a little bit of familiarity with. Yeah, so I'd listened to the Century album, and I don't recall listening to Blazing Right their first album. I think the first time I listened to them was when you sent me a song a couple of months ago. And then Tanith, I did listen to their first album when it was out, but they're one of those bands where I listened to them, thought, ah, that's really good. Uh, it was the artwork actually for that first one that drew me in. Um, it's one of those types of uh, paintings, uh, like a woman standing on a cliff, that type of artwork that I love. And even the font in which the the band name is is written is the type of thing that would draw me in. That kind of sounds a bit superficial, but that is something that draws me towards music releases is the artwork and the font. And you kind of know you're in a safe place with with a band like Tanith. When you look at that, you're like, I'm going to like this. So um, I looked, I, I listened to that when it was out probably about four years ago and enjoyed it, but then completely forgot about the band uh, as you do. Nothing to to say about the quality of the music, but as you mentioned earlier, that there's so many bands, so many releases that you kind of tend to forget. But then they came back in vogue. And they're not a touring act, are they? Because it's a side band from Russ Tippins and Satan is his main gig. Yeah, I think they might have played, did they do like an album release show or something for this? I think they did play at least one gig recently. But uh, yeah, no, I don't think they're they're doing some gigs with Haunt later this year as well. Yeah, so they, they kind of do a, a sprinkling of gigs, like a, a lot of kind of bands uh, where it's a side project. But yeah, they kind of came back into the public eye uh, when they released Voyage in 2023. So they, that again, this was released in April. Um, so that's where we are. We're going to we're gonna cover those three releases from uh, Tanith, Century and Blazing Right. Okay, and let's hope that we do them justice. Now, as sort of a, as sort of a preamble, I think that... People say this new wave of traditional heavy metal is a very insular scene. There's not a lot of variety in the music. And I would contend that's not explicitly true. While everyone may be drawing from the same shallow well of inspiration, the same few bands like Iron Maiden, so many of the biggest bands in the Nwatham scene have a flavor and style of their own. And Nwatham isn't interesting only for the ways that it resembles early 80s or 70s metal sound this subgenre or this movement it's interesting in the ways that it sounds different from the music that paved the way i think so yeah i mean like i don't know which one band you want to start with but tanith to me has so much kind of 70s prog influence to them and it's not a typical uh, influence to draw on if you're a new wave of traditional heavy metal band so there's an example right there out of the gate that um they're not all coming from that same shallow well, I don't think. While that might be might be the well that many go to to draw their influence from. I think uh there are also, you know, people who who draw it from elsewhere, like Tanith. You're absolutely right. I think Tanith is a great one to start with. So let's go with that. All right. So we already gave you a brief introduction to each of the bands and albums. So as far as Tanith Voyage, how do you want to tackle this, Fergal? So, in the in the interest of um, brevity, I've just chosen three songs from each of these releases. Uh, so I've chosen three from this. I've chosen three from the other two as well. And I have a couple of parts of the songs that I'd like to play as an example of why I think they're good. Obviously, we, we like all of these albums. Well, I, I certainly like all these albums. I'm not here to shit on any of them. We are generally fans of this. So it's, it's picking uh, examples of uh, parts of the songs to show how good they are, basically. That's that's kind of how I'd approach it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I've got some notes on that as well. I'm uh, just trying to figure out how to get this rolling. 
let's start with uh, track one on Voyage. It's called Snow Tiger. And I think the intro to this track is a kind of a scene setting piece of music. So I'll, I'll uh, cue it up here. Hold on a sec. Stop it there. So um, that's the intro to the opening track from uh, Tanit on their Voyage album. It's called Snow Tiger. And I think for a scene setting intro, a piece of music to let you know what they're all about. I don't think they could have done it any better. It has it's a melting pot of influences there. You've got the acoustic opening. You've got the electric following through. Then you've got that really fast riffing. Um, Russ Tippins is, a, is an underrated guitarist. I'll say that now. Actually, I don't even really like the term underrated, but Russ Tippins is a guitarist you don't hear mentioned often as one of the greats from the 80s or still around today. Um, but that, to me, that's just like, it tells you it's kind of, it's heavy rock. It's got prog influences. It's going to be fast. It's going to have different types of um, tempos as well, though, all like all in the first 50 seconds. Yeah. Danith certainly does not sound like Satan. And of course, you would imagine Russ Tippins formed them so he could do something a little bit different. What you get here is more of the 70s hard rock, the flashes of the folk and jam influences. I'm not sitting here listening to this thinking Judas Priest. What I'm hearing is more along the lines of Blue Oyster Cult, Thin Lizzy, that kind of thing. There's quite a lot in there, I think. Blue Oyster Cult is actually a good um, mention. Maybe not in that clip there, but in general in this album, I, I reckon, yeah, uh, it's, it's a good kind of touch point for where their influences lie. Yeah, Thin Lizzy is another one. And really a, a lot of bands that had a dual guitar sound, you could probably compare them favorably to what Tanith has going on. Yeah, so... That was just the opening musical intro to the song, The Snow Tiger. Um, it does pick up a bit of speed then, as you heard there. Uh, so actually, I'm just going to bring us up to the chorus here. So this, I was saying in my own notes here, this reminds me so much of 70s Prague. Like a tiger in winter, you learn to adapt. Tiger will always survive. Gather your wits and the strength that you have. It's the will of the snow tiger to strive. I hear what you're hearing. I hear that there's very much an old school heavy rock sound to it. And if you feel like Tanith has an old school sound, it's because they recorded the album on tape and they used vintage gear and recording equipment and all that. So it's not just a throwback style. It's a real throwback sound. Okay. And, I didn't realize that uh, yeah. they actually used analog equipment. Right. And despite all that, there is enough here that feels original that I don't think you can put Tanith into a neat little box. I mean, you can listen to you can listen to Greta Van Fleet and think, oh, okay, uh, they they want to do the Led Zeppelin thing, or you can hear Airborne and say, okay, they're continuing ACDC, but you can't yeah. hear Tanith and say they sound exactly like exactly like one artist or another. 
No. And in fact, when I'm trying to describe what they sound like, I'm struggling because they sound like so many artists that I'm trying to get them all in and make sure I don't miss any. So that's the difference, I'd say, with uh, Greta Van Fleet and a band like Tanith. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's some originality in here. And I think one of the biggest talking points that you have to mention is the dual vocals with Cindy and Russ. And also, I'll add Russ, he doesn't sing in Satan. So you get to hear his vocals and it's a uh, it can be a little bit interesting if you're a Satan fan and you're getting like this whole different side of this guitarist who you thought you knew. Uh, anyway, so Russ and Cindy, they do the male and female vocal trade-offs. I think there's a lot of value in having that variety. A band can really create some excellent like arrangements with that tool in their arsenal. And the two of them, I think they harmonize quite well too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's a surprisingly good vocalist, and that's kind of been squirreled away for, I don't know, 40 years there, a hidden talent. <laughs> but all of a sudden, he's just able to sing really well and harmonize with a female singer, as you said. Um, so, yeah, I, I was yeah, sort of like an Adrian Smith. There you go. Yeah. Well, I think we all kind of knew Adrian was good since the 80s. But uh, I mean, Reach Out is one of my top secret favorite Iron Maiden songs, even though it's not an Iron Maiden song. But uh, um, yeah, I, I've always enjoyed Adrian's vocals. But um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting when you like, and also, by the way, like he's in his 60s or he, I think he's 60. He doesn't look anything close to that age. He looks like he's about 40 or something. Um, he must be living well. Yeah, well. Not according to Jarvis. Jesus Christ. I remember when um, I did an interview with him a while back and he was talking about going on tour with Satan and he was saying he was basically wheeling Russ Tippins through the airport on a luggage uh, carrier because he was so pissed. <laughs> uh, sounds like a fun guy. <laughs> but uh, he was saying they, they like to go at it and go at it hard when they uh, when they go on tour. So fair play to him anyway. Somehow he's got that. Uh, he's kept those uh, genes intact. Um, all right. So I will. I have one more piece on this song that I wanted to play. So it's kind of an instrumental breakdown uh, post chorus. So just give me a sec now and I'll cue that up. just so much there you've got like an, an instrumental breakdown which is like welcome because it like it's a different section of the song takes you in a new direction then you've got that almost unexpected uh vocal harmonizing there with the two singers and then you're back into that kind of beautiful acoustic uh guitar that opens the song as well like within the first track not even all of the first track they've really set their stall out and shown you like what they're made of i think right it's an epic that takes you places and the best part of all that track is four minutes and 39 seconds. It's not some kind of like seven or nine minute Prague noodle jam. It's like a regular length song. In fact, you won't find it. You'll find that every song is five minutes or less on this album. So it's really approachable. You don't have to dedicate a real sit down, listen to it like you would something, I don't know, like a Dream Theater album. 
Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think there's a couple that just reached the five minute mark. Nothing over six, though. And yet, when you when you listen to it, you feel like you've listened to maybe like a song from Tales from Topographic Oceans or something like that. You know, there's so much going on in it that you're like, you're oh, I've right. just listened. <laughs> I've listened so to a, right. a suite of music here, but it's only been four or five minutes. Yeah, it's great that they get so much into each song. Yeah, so there are many highlights on this album that it's really hard to narrow down the best parts, but this is definitely one of the best parts for me. So if you could cue up the song Flame, play it from 30 seconds. up there but yeah that's just so good that'll give you yeah i think that'll give all of you listening a really great idea of the sort of vocal interplay and the trade-offs so first you hear cindy then you hear russ and then they combine on that chorus and it sounds great really does it that was almost giving me uh, fleetwood mac vibes there like that's kind of how out of the metal realm they've gone just on that song or that particular chorus there but uh I had a, a clip of the song Architects of Time. So it's another kind of beautiful harmonized vocals uh, that I wanted to talk about. So that's track four. We were the architects of time. All of nature of design. Creators of all around us. There was nothing. I'll stop it there but yeah just like you know you think all right i'm listening to fleetwood mac again no you're not because listen to that goddamn riff that came in after that and there's a fantastic bit of soloing in this song as well um i'm happy that you picked out that part to play because that's one that i had written down as well you know there are riffs on this album that i know i'm never going to forget like mm. that's that's one that's going to live in my head in instant recall like yeah. I'll be driving and then just one day <laughs> out of the blue it'll pop in. <laughs> right. It'll just show up in my head and yeah. I'm it's gonna live in there. Anyway, uh you said you had another from this song. Living your head rent free. Um yeah, I'm just gonna play the solo here.
think that's what's known as a face melter. Yeah. Or as the kids might call it, a face fucker. Oh, right. Everything's getting more vulgar in the internet era. <laughs> I've never heard that one. Face fucker. Well, right. would you say that Solo fucked your face off? Well, I suppose I, I suppose it did. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Well, either your face has been fucked or melted at this point. That Solo, whatever you want to call it, it slays. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. Okay, anything else on this album that you wanted to discuss? Well, I think that with the clips that we've played, you can already see what I wanted to bring up, that there's good variety across the album. You get the range of speeds that keeps things interesting. It's not fast all the time. It's not slow all the time. Sometimes this record is heavy. Sometimes it's more chill. And in the end, it doesn't overstay its welcome at nine songs and 43 minutes. And I talk a lot about my preferred album length, how I like it right in the 35 to 45 range. But I'm yeah. not strict about that. I'll listen to any album that's good, long or short. But mm. if I had my preferred way, I think 35 to 45 minutes is my sweet spot. 40 minutes exactly. I mean, not that any album has ever been 40 minutes exactly, but 40 minutes is my sweet spot as well. Uh, I have out there in the in the other room a stack of Neil Young albums, one of my favorite artists that's not metal. And in the 70s, his albums were around that mark. They were 35 to 40 minutes, a lot of them around the 40 minute mark. And to me, that's just perfect. It's like it's exactly the amount of time when I don't have time, let's say, that I can dedicate to listening to a full album. I don't necessarily always have time to listen to the Book of Souls, but give me Neil Young on the beach, 36, 37 minutes. Don't fucking have time for that. There you go. I do have one other piece of music I wanted to play from this actually two. So it's the song Never Look Back. It's the finale. It's uh, I think it's the longest song on the album, but it's only five minutes and 39 seconds. No, no, there's one 554. Sorry, that's seven moons. Um, second longest song of the album. Again, it feels like a prog epic, but it's only taken up five minutes and 39 uh, of your time. They're so courteous with their epics that they don't waste your day. Uh, but um, there's a brilliant bit uh, around 56 seconds. I just want to play. pause it there but um again just fantastic singing russ well done man and fantastic riffing behind the singing which i love i know a lot of people mentioned how the recent iron maiden album sanjutsu has as a bit of that um and it's something i really enjoy actually so i wonder actually performing these songs live if he's able to riff and sing at the same time be interesting to know but it, it's really complimentary what's happening there and the vocals are just amazing yeah i think you've picked a lot of good pieces to play in this and i think any song that you check out on this album, you'll find something a little bit different on it. And I can't say there's a single song I don't like here. No, me neither. Um, and finally, just where I stopped there is the chorus of that song. I'm going to leave this album with that, but it's amazing. So I'm just going to play it. You can never go back. There you go. 
so initially you have the kind of clean riff behind the chorus and then it gets a heavier more kind of gain on the riff uh, the second kind of line the second bit of the chorus they sing I just it's just unbelievable there's so much thought and it, it, so much thought and creativity put into each part of all of these songs and the playing is so precise and the singing is so spot on and I've only listened to this album for the first time this week by the way um the other day, actually, when I texted you, it was the first time I ever listened to it. And it's just amazing. Oh, I'm glad it made an impact on you so quickly. It's definitely an album that I loved from first listen as well. And you're talking there about how remarkably well-written and composed that these songs are. Now, Russ Tippins, his experience in Satan is nothing to sneeze at. Their first album, according to the act, came out literally 40 years ago. Yeah, so Russ has had so much time to perfect his songwriting craft, and it's because this band, this band now Tanith, they are an outlet for him to get out all those ideas he's been building up that weren't the right fit for Satan. So you know, it's a side thing, but you can tell it's a side thing that he's passionate about and he put a lot of work into it. Absolutely. And I'm glad he did. And I'm going to go back and listen to the first album again because it's been a long time. It's probably been four years since I listened to it. I used to keep these and actually I still do, but I'm, I'm not as uh, up to date as I, I used to be. <clears throat> I make a playlist every year since about 2017 and I call it new-ish rock, rock and metal. And I put the year like 2017. So I've done one 2017, 18, 19, 20, et cetera, up to this year. And I went back to my newish rock and metal 2019. And there's a Tanith song in there. So I was listening to them. Um, I just kind of forgot about them. So I'm definitely going to go back. And I was looking up um, a nice T-shirt and vinyl package that's available. And I think I'm going to buy this because this is a this is one to have on vinyl um, and sit down and really concentrate on, I think. Yeah, especially with how nice that album art is. Okay, so Snow Tiger, Tanit, go seek it out. It's available on Spotify, but obviously, you know, physical copies and all that. Available too, if that's your type of thing. Where do you want to go next? We have Century and we have Blazing Right. Okay, let's do Blazing Right. Grand. Okay, so I don't know if you said this earlier, I'm not sure. What's your background with this band? Is this just the first one you've listened to or did you listen to the, the it debut? Sure is. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about Wild Rights and Ancient Songs. Again, an awesome title. It's the second Tanith, uh, excuse me. It is the second album from Blazing Wright. Released their demo in 2020 and debut record in 2021. And I would say this band and this album, they're a little more out there, a little more obscure. But I've seen a few people share the album whose opinions I trust. So mm. I checked it out. And mm. I was very pleasantly surprised. And hey, yeah. I mean... There's no real story to it. Uh, some folks I like on Twitter just posted about it and said, hey, why don't you give this a shot? And I said, let's go. And yeah. I'm glad I did. So this is a five-piece band from Philadelphia, two guitarists, uh, bass, drums, and a singer who has a really unorthodox unorthodox style of clean yeah. vocals. Johnny Holiday, yeah. A baritone, yeah. A baritone yeah. voice. It reminds me of Danzig a little bit. Mm, yeah, I'd say that's a good shout. Uh, the baritone is one of the first things that I picked up on. Um, I also picked up on, when looking at Metal Archives, how many bands the bass player has been in. Um, so both uh, Johnny Halliday, the singer, and Pearson Rowe, the bass player, were in a band called Chulain's Hound, or are in a band called Chulain's Hound. Um, but then uh, the bass player has been in bands called Night Ghoul, 
uh, Backwoods Payback, Castle Freak, With the End in Mind, Village, Ardmore Assault, Silt Lips. These people are just bloody career musicians, uh, it seems. Even Johnny Halliday, the singer, uh, is, is in still. Ch- and they're younger than us. Is <laughs> in Chilean's Hound. Uh, he was in a band called Chain and he's in a band called Crazy Bull. So these people are just kind of like, yeah, music is my life. And that's what you're going to get from us is just a dedication to music. And um I'm going to have to check out that band, Chilean Sound. Actually, they've only released a demo. But uh, yeah, this this is fucking good shit. Yeah, and this is the first time that you heard them as well, once I sent the album over to you. Now, yep. let's take a quick look at this album art. So it's, oh, I would say it's like a, a village covered in snow and with a castle in the background and mountains and some yep. eagles flying and then buried in the snow or half buried there's a sword and a shield mm-hmm. as just on the ground as two people are walking away from it sort of makes yeah. it look like you're really transported back to an ancient land yeah. where this sort of thing is common and, and there's a little uh cave kind of thing to the to the right as well um to me there's again there's even a look- sword in the band's logo yes is <laughs> the t- letter t um to me again this looks like a like it was hand painted. I hope it was. That's my favorite style of artwork. Something that's not computer generated. Something that doesn't look like mid two thousands fucking you know uh, graphics. Um, this is a, a beautiful piece of art, and the best album covers, like the Tanith cover, to me are in themselves a piece of art that you could appreciate without ever hearing the music. And this is no exception. Yeah, this is a good piece. Uh, artist is Matt Steiker. And he did the band's first album, and he's got a long list of other bands he's worked with, including Power Trip would probably be the biggest name. But anyway, let's get on over to the music. And I think that there's a lot we can touch on here. Um, I think maybe just like the last album, we should start at the very start and give a flavor of that heavy riff intro, followed by dual lead guitar, um, and maybe go into the first verse of uh, Autumn Fear Brings Winter Doom. So one second now. Take it away. even though I don't want it because that guitar is so good. But yeah, you, you got that opening heavy riff, then you got that lovely kind of clean guitar, and then you got this baritone vocal coming in. So already there's so much there on the table. It's it's almost hard to take in. 
Yeah, that guitar sounds great. It recalls something of a early U.S. power metal kind of guitar and sound. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, a bit of Jag Panzer or something like that. Right. Yeah, I was about to say not just the guitar sound overall. Like, yeah, I would compare it to Jack Panzer, Manila Road, maybe Brockus Helm. Mm. Like it's in it's in that sort of wheelhouse. And if you're not familiar with any of those bands, well, there's some more homework for you. Anyway, uh, Blazing Wright, I think that they get off to a strong start in here. And, you know, you had that little acoustic-y intro, sort of like the opening track on that Tanith album. And it's a little something that it sets the mood, it sets the scene, and it showcases what this band is capable of. Because what you have here is another band who is basically, they're trying to take you away to a fantasy world. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, 100%. Um, do you want to go on with this song or play another bit? Yeah, let's hear a little more. I think the I think the, the chorus is worth hearing. So um, uh, again, like I guess uh, I'm just gonna play it. <laughs> I have so many notes here, but I'm just gonna play it. You can you can hear for yourself. Uh, Let it run. Can we enjoy the day? I'm going to take a little sidetrack here, going back again to a conversation we were having during the week. And we were talking a bit about, like we talked about at the start of this episode, how people of a certain age, at a certain point in their life, they stop discovering new bands. And then you made the point that a lot of people say, well, metal peaked in the 80s. And you were saying yourself that it's hard to argue against that. But then you said, which I thought was a really great point, that while the top tier bands from, for example, the new wave of British heavy metal haven't been equaled. If you go a tier below the second tier bands, you said some of our current bands, some of the current bands today are just as good, if not better than those. And I agreed with you. And having listened to the Tanith clips there and just listening even to the first song on this Blazing Right album, I tend to agree with you even more is that this is a crop of really talented bands, musicians. And yeah, when you're going below the Iron Maidens, the Def Leppards, the whatevers, the witch, uh, uh, the Angel Witches, when you creep below into the second tier in the Wobbin bands who still play at festivals and play at Keep It True and stuff like that, I 100% agree. The Blazing Rights, the Tanits, even though they contain a member of the Wobbin band, but let's forget about that. But the Blazing Rights, the Tanits, the, the bands like that, uh, they're right up there. Yeah, I absolutely think they are. And, you know, there's some level of, there's some level of nostalgia that keeps people listening and loving to the bands that they have grown up with and uh the older you get the harder it is for a new band or a new song to make an impact on you because you have all this history and context with iron maiden because you've listened to them for 15 years that you just don't have yet with new bands and yeah when you started listening to when you started listening to maiden and metallica you were young and impressionable and it was brilliant and it blew your mind because you hadn't heard anything like it before. Mm. And now it you now you have more of a frame of reference in metal and you you hear these new bands and you're just comparing it to 
everything you've heard in the past instead of sort of taking it at face value. Yeah, um, good points. Yeah, but I think I'm I think I'm old and impressionable. I don't think that impressionable part aspect of my personality ever kind of fully went because when I'm listening to this music, I, I'm getting those those feelings that I got when I was 16, listening to Iron Maiden, just really fucking enjoying it. And also listening to something different and new, it's it's so refreshing. It's, it's good for your mind, I think, listening to new bands. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad that I listened to this because it's some people... Like I was saying at the top of this episode, some people think that this Nawatham scene is creatively bankrupt, and it's, it's really not, not because no. they're putting they're putting these very new spins on the genre. And I think that if we didn't have Blazing Wright and we didn't have Johnny Halliday's voice, then we would be really missing out because I think he's offering something unique in there, and band sound as a whole. They're reviving uh, fantasy metal that it sounds good and it sounds like its own thing. And they're putting it into a package that feels like it's appealing in the context of the year 2023. Absolutely. And on that note, let's listen to the chorus of Autumn Fair Brings Winter Doom. Oh, sorry. Or the solo. I meant to say the solo. Sorry. We've already heard the chorus. Uh, I'm going to do that again. Well, and on that note. Solo. And on that note, let's listen to the solo of Autumn Fair Brings Winter Doom. great shit like I, i'm sorry i can't be more articulate than that but that's what it is it's fucking great shit yeah and then the song shifts into high gear there i don't know you were cutting it off right as it was starting to really speed up which is okay oh i, oh, I played oh, again listener, hold on to go just go back and listen to that whole song then let's pick it up a bit hold on I'm at risk of playing the whole thing there, so um, cut it off. It give people something to discover, but yeah, it's just amazing, great, great song, great band, uh, and we're only on the first track of that album. Yeah, thank you to my friends who told me to check out Blazing Right because you picked a good one. And hey, like you said, Fergal, that's just the first track, and I've got mm. some things to say about a few more of these songs. That we could go on to. Okay, take it away. I have a couple of notes here, but let's see what you have. Yeah, listen, this album is weird. There's something about it that feels familiar, and yet it's different. You know, you've got the vocals, and then in the songs themselves, sometimes Blazing Right, they take musical turns that you wouldn't expect. 
And the title track is a great example because they had these bird calls that really tripped me up the first time I was listening. So if you're making uh, Best of Metal 2023 awards, please keep Blazing Right in mind for the category of Best Nature Sounds. <laughs> That's probably a Grammy category at these days. So, um, okay, right. do you have any particular part of that song you want to play? Play it from the beginning. Let's hear it. Cool. Church bells there in the background. Village Green is filled with fearless minds and troubled hearts. <laughs> oh, how good is that? Uh, listen, this song, I think it's really good. And it starts out with that minstrelly songsmith vibe. Mm, you can, yeah. you feel like you could hear it at the Renaissance Fair. Uh, and yeah. then, but it, it takes off and it mm. goes from acoustic into metal, like seemingly yeah. at the drop of a pin. And it's yeah, great. Yeah. It's um that reminded me of uh, early Peter Gabriel era Genesis actually, and even the lyrics he sang there, the Village Green and all that. It's like straight out of the Peter Gabriel playbook. But um, yeah, really good stuff. Um, obviously Genesis never really went into that metal, but some of the songs on like um, Foxtrot or um, Nursery Crime um have almost metallic riffing on them. Um, so that really reminded me of that there. Yeah, that's an interesting point of reference that. I wouldn't even have thought of, but it just goes to show you how many different wells of inspiration are being drawn from in the Snowatham scene. And it's even, it's even bigger than I thought it was. And some people might say that it's all based on Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, but no. there, it, to say that is to not look beyond the surface. Yeah. And you know what? I think you might have said this in a throwaway comment, maybe, or maybe I did. I can't remember. You can you can tell me who did. But uh, I think we're on the second wave of the new wave of traditional heavy metal now. And I think the first wave of the new wave, this sounds ridiculous. I think the first wave of the new wave of traditional heavy metal were certainly very much inspired by Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, etc. But I think on the second wave of current bands, I think they draw their influences from different areas. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's something that we're kind of showing off here today with the different clips that we're playing. Mm. Yeah, I, I think Johnny Halliday is the baritone Peter Gabriel. That's what I'm gonna, you can copyright that. 
they need to print that on a t-shirt now. That'll be a big seller. <laughs> Another thing that really stood out to me about Wild Rites and Ancient Songs is that the guitars are peppy and the album tends to be very upbeat when they're not doing the acoustic sections. And mm. that's right up my alley. I like high energy music. Now, mm. check out the opening riff of The Coming Tide of Yule and tell me it's not positively joyous. Okay. You know what came to mind there when I started listening to that? Obviously, I've listened to it already. Do you know the Blaze Baby song? It's going to be a crazy, 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 crazy Christmas. Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I think that has a a similar sound. It's a Christmas song right here. (laughs) (laughs) It's got Yule in the title. There's snow on the album cover. I'm calling it a Christmas song. It is. It's a it's a fucking carol. Um, yeah, no, that's a great, great riff. Great riff. <laughs> I really wanted to highlight that riff to yeah. show off the aspect of the upbeat and peppy guitars. And if you liked that, then you'll hear plenty more of it on the album. Yeah. Um, so one of the songs that stood out to me was called Mars of the Stormborn Riders. Uh, the opening riffing, which is great, but then followed by this fucking beautiful dual guitar, which we've kind of almost already come to expect. <laughs> That was just the opening, but the chorus of this is powerful. I want to play that as well. So this is called Mars of the or Mark of the Stormborn Riders. Sorry, it's in Mars. The Mark of the Stormborn Riders, sworn to jump through the fires, bricks and knotting scrolls, a secret through a sword or shield. I think uh, Johnny Holiday's vocals are a breath of fresh air in the Nawatham. Yeah, they're unique. And we're back. Take two. Fucking hell. So for the listener's benefit, we had a little bit of an emergency there. Um, so I had my work laptop still plugged in to the same power source that my PC is plugged into, you know, same socket. And uh, with an errant foot. I pulled the cable of my my laptop, which pulled out the plug of every fucking thing, so my computer just shut down completely. A little bit of uh, technical difficulties, <laughs> and I had a fucking shit fit uh, for a few seconds. Um, but when I turned it back on, and I clicked into Zoom, the meeting had still been recorded. Thank fucking God for modern technology. I would not have wanted to have to do all that again. And back to Blazing Right, I had one more song that I wanted to focus on, which I think is probably um, maybe the best example of this band 
of the chosen examples that I had written down anyway. So this is called Troubadours of the Final Quarrel. It is the penultimate song on the album as well. And I've just written here, first 47 seconds, magic. So I'm just going to play that now. cut it off there before the vocals just because that was such a powerful instrumental opening there but it has everything it has the fast riffing it has the melodic guitar it has uh, the bass is quite prominent actually in that as well and it's it's just a fucking what a, what a slice of no other i would say oh man those guitars are tasty that's actually the shortest song on the album and it is it it hits you right away that's probably the one where the power metal influence comes out the most Yes, and I think a very good example of that is the chorus of this song. So I'm just going to cue that up here one second there now. Proper USPM, as they call it. gonna leave it at that but yeah it's just powerful stuff catchy um heavy it's got all those ingredients that make a truly great heavy metal band yeah that part is a nice continuation of what you heard in the beginning and if you are a fan of the swords and sorcery if you're a fan of that u.s power metal as we've mentioned so many times before then this is going to be right up your alley and like we said it has the old school influence and it sounds a little old but it also sounds a little new it's got a little bit of its own flavor yes exactly so that's blazing right i'd be happy to leave it there with that album wild rights and ancient songs now i noticed you used the word penultimate twice in this episode you featured the penultimate song on both of those albums so far and i'm gonna i'm gonna totally interrupt and go off on a tangent your word of the day for the third to last of something, anti-penultimate. Oh, never heard that before in my life. <laughs> there you go. George facts. Yeah. Teaching you all something totally unrelated to metal. Cut it Ante- if you want. I just wanted to go on a tangent because <laughs> that popped into my head and I am on my third beer. <laughs> and of course, Blazing Right was the penultimate of these three bands that we're going to be featuring. <laughs> And Tanith was the anti-penultimate. Excellent. Brilliant. Okay, I'll remember that one. Good. Should we get to the ultimate band? The ultimate band, yes. Of course, the word ultimate has been prostituted in modern vernacular into meaning something that it never was intended to mean, which means final. Um, People say ultimate as if it means brilliant or great or something like that. But that's not actually true. Anyway, so 
Century, The Conquest of Time. So Century, as I said earlier, are a Swedish band. This is their first full-length album released in this year on the 21st of April. I think that's the same date that the Blazing Wright album was released, funnily enough. But um, yeah, Conquest of Time. I know you said you found that you were struggling a bit with this album. It wasn't uh, clicking with you as easily as the other two did. Yeah, I would say that. And, you know, that's not to say I'm going to shit on this album. Because I like it, but it wasn't making the same impact that the other two did. It wasn't coming to me as quickly. And to this point, I would still probably say that I don't like this album as much as the first two. And that's okay, because we're here to we're here to give our recommendations for everyone. And we're going to play what we think are the highlights. And someone who's listening... I mean, chances are you're going to like this even more than I do, because as we referenced at the very beginning, Century is a band that comes with hype. Even off the backs of their first demo, they got uh, some popularity. They had they were able to fill the room at Hell's Heroes before their debut album even released. So, you know, it, it could be a me thing, could be something I'm missing. I kind of refer to them as a discount store eternal champion. But uh, we'll play the clips and you'll be the judge of that. Bargain Basement Eternal Champion. Um, Okay, so I quite like this album. It reminds me of Eternal Champion, but also reminds me of the Swedish band Heavy Load. And seeing as they are a Swedish band, I assume that Heavy Load was a strong influence on this. And from the opening track, the opening seconds of the opening track, I think you can hear that. So it's called The Fighting Eagle. I'm just going to play that now. So it's a kind of an odd song in that, like you get the verse and then towards the end of the verse, kind of the chorus creeps in. It's not a very uh, well uh, segregated chorus, but I think, you know, at the end of the verse, it's like the fighting ego bit is like the chorus. But um, I don't know. Have you listened to Heavy Load much or at all? No, not at all. And their name has come up a ton when I've done some research on Century. They're probably the most common point of reference when people talk about what a Century sound like and probably not a coincidence that heavy load is part of that 80s swedish heavy metal scene and Hmm. a lot of those other bands like gotham city or the other the other acts i've heard compared to century yeah so i mean to me the vocalist there in century sounds exactly like steer bjorn welquist i don't know how to pronounce his name but he's the vocalist from uh from heavy load so I, i think they're drawing strongly on uh that band as an influence it sounds to me like they are certainly um I reckon Stefan Tengner is a a big fan of them. But uh, to me, like, I'm a sucker for that. Like, so you've got, you know, the fast kind of heavy riffing. And I like, actually, 
in some cases, not in all cases, where the vocals don't play a prominent part in the mix. So I think with this band, and I'll probably get get to that more later, is that the vocals are not necessarily the most important instrument or most important uh, facet of the melange of sounds that you're getting with Century. And they're happy to kind of take a back seat. And I think sometimes that's a, a kind of pertinent choice based on the music you're playing. Yeah, you're totally right about that. You said that the first and the chorus were not very well segregated from each other. And part of that is because the vocals, they don't really do a shift. They don't really go up during the chorus. And I don't know how well these vocals serve the song. I think they're kind of just an accessory. And what I'm really listening for in Century, I'm listening for the guitar. That's the one piece of this band that's really flooring me. And the rest is kind of like, it's just kind of there. But I will say that the guitars have been stellar on every song on this album and including on the clips you've been playing thus far. Okay, so on that note, let's have a listen to this. up there tell me that isn't fantastic george tell me that's awesome i'm not gonna tell you because then i feel a liar <laughs> and i did not come onto your podcast to lie to the listener oh this is our podcast george don't say mine it's ours um okay so actually the next song on this album of note to me is actually the second track so the one that follows this it's called black revenant which i think is a great title and uh, i'm just going to play the intro again it's, it's, it's a great chugging tempo and i'm a sucker for this kind of sound i will say riff for sure and like i said the guitar is the highlight here i'm hearing a lot of compelling riffs and you get the solos get the shredding but there are also thoughtful melodies like you would hear in the last minute of this same song black revenant
nice little outro right there. But no, you didn't cut it off too late because I would love to say how well that nice little outro segues into the next song. Sure, yeah, it does very well actually. I wanted to play the chorus of that song as well. I um, I think it's kind of a it's kind of a good example of what I was saying is where like the vocals don't really dominate. It's all about the instrumentation and that's okay, you know, some bands are like that. Yeah, to me, the vocals don't, they're not the prominent part of the song here. Um, to me, that sounds like an Iron Maiden instrumental with uh, vocals added later, <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah, I, I hear it. I hear I hear songs that basically feel like they could be off of Killers, and that's okay, mm. too. And the vocals, uh, they get the job done. This album would be a big hit with fans of that sort of lo-fi, not too overproduced underground traditional heavy metal. And there are definitely people who want that for sure. Yeah, there certainly are. One of the other standouts on this to me was the ultimate track on the album, which is called Servants of the Iron Mask, which again, I think is a great title. Um, And I'm just going to go to that now. And it has this kind of otherworldly intro. So it doesn't get going for a while, but I think this intro uh, serves the song quite well because when it does get going, it like it's, you know, you can tell it's part one of uh, almost like a musical story. This is the longest song on the album at six minutes and 39 seconds. We're in kind of 80s sci-fi territory here. Right, so I'm going to pause it there. So you, you might think you're listening to a particular type of song. You're like, oh, this is going to be a slow kind of song, whatever. Yeah, you know, but then they kick in with this. By the way, this is the most eternal champion that they've ever sounded on this album. <laughs>
deposit there uh, slightly before the chorus. But again, to me, that that's great fucking shit. Like I can I can headbang to that. I, I was there on the call as you you saw. But um, I I do get the eternal. And that champion. song is called "The Armor of Ire." By Eter- <laughs> uh, I mean, please, uh, not placing century. Uh. <laughs> oh, you fucked your own joke up there, George. But <laughs> I get, I get you. Um, no, look, it does sound like Eternal Champion, but at the same time, isn't it about time that bands became influenced by Eternal Champion? Who, you know, his first release was in 2016, or whose first full album was in 2016. So, like, it would be like a band coming out in, I don't know, 1987, having been influenced by Iron Maiden. And, you know, that's fine. It's okay. You're I right. don't think the whole, I don't think the whole right. thing is, is, a, is a pastiche of Eternal Champion. I think there's many influences there. I think, um, as I said, Heavy Load, I think Eternal Champion, um, and other things as well. Like, so it's, it's okay, I think, you know. This is the epic on the album. And with that spacey, synthy intro at the beginning, you get a little bit of something extra that you don't have on the other songs. So they didn't go overboard on the spectacle. They sort of took that and they saved it for the end with this one song. And it does build up into a really raging gallop in the verse and the chorus. And Absolutely. from there, it's just balls out riffing and soloing. Absolutely. And they I, definitely and think, saved the best for last on this album. I think we should play a few parts of this song. Well, firstly, I want to play the chorus just to give uh, people a taste of that. Then the song gets a little bit doomier later on um, and it kind of changes pace. Love that scream. And then when it goes into this, it gets delicious. And the song has its heaven flow. Yeah. So many different types of. There's a fucking great drum pattern here, drum fill. up the pace again. We're just going to let this play for a while. that's enough there but uh yeah so many different musical passages in this this is kind of their epic this is their multi-part epic which has loads of time changes has different kind of tempos uh, all that type of stuff it's fantastic they saved the best song for last i love it i think that if you're listening to this album and you make it this far this is a treat this is a reward for sticking it through yeah and there's a lovely little bit of soloing at the end 
Um, I'm just going to play that as well. Uh, towards the end, actually. It's not quite at the end. What I like about that solo is it doesn't go to places melodically where you'd expect it to go. It kind of takes a left field turn there. Uh, we're expecting to hear particular notes and then it goes, oh, no, <laughs> we're going to play something yeah. else. I I said the same thing about Blazing Right, and it, it's always good when a band can throw you for a little bit of a curveball because that's exactly what we came here for. We came here to get a little bit of something new. We came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and we're all out of gum. I always have gum, Fergal. Don't say that. <laughs> you just didn't ask. Don't assume we're out of gum. <laughs> um, all right. So do you have anything else you want to talk about for our century, or are we, we going to wrap up? For sure. Yeah, for sure. So The Conquest of Time is another lesson that's not too demanding, coming in at nine tracks and 36 minutes. But mm. even though the songs are pretty short, I don't feel like I would want to hear them individually. I feel like this is an album that works when I listen to it as a whole. Mm. Get into the vibe, I get into the groove, and I feel like the album keeps getting better as it goes on. Songs yeah. start to seem a little heavier and a little faster the deeper that you get into the album. And I like that because... I don't love when bands really front load the albums with three really good songs and a bunch of filler. I think that they keep the quality pretty consistent. And as we were referencing before, they end with the best song. Right. I mean, like I think we've kind of covered them all off there. So I'm going to uh, reveal uh, top secret information now to the listener and tell them what other albums we're considering for this series. Are you all right with that? It's not top secret. Well, <laughs> not anymore after you reveal it. <laughs> um, so we have a, a short list of kind of 12 albums from 2023. Of course, we've covered three on this episode. That was Century, The Conquest of Time, Tanith, Voyage, and Blazing Right, Wild Rights, and Ancient Songs. Also in the mix for future episodes, not saying we're going to cover them all, but we have Witch Hazel, Four, Sacrament, Shadows, Out for Blood, Stray Gods, Olympus, Amethyst, or Amethyst, I don't know how you pronounce that, Rock Knights, Tail Gunner, Guns Are Higher, Smolder, Violent Creed of Vengeance, Night Demon, Outsider, Haunt, Golden Arm, and Screamer, Kingmaker. So we will definitely be getting to some of those albums, if not all. Let's see how we get on. And that's going to be uh, a, a kind of, th this is getting ridiculous now, but like Feck and Nawadham is a series within a series, but uh, 3 for 23 is a theme within Feck and Nawadham, I reckon. Uh, so it's like a dream within a dream. We're, we're doing magic here. We're in Inception. And before you listeners ask, why we're doing three songs in an episode, or excuse me, why we're doing three albums in this episode. There's a very well thought out and important answer to that question because we felt like it. <laughs> well, there is the rule of three as well that exists. Um, so things are better in threes. Uh, comedy, you know, when you're doing stand up comedy, if you make a. Uh, 
if you're doing this kind of misleading kind of uh, part of your stand-up comedy and you make a mistake once, you make a mistake twice, and the third time it's a joke, I think that's kind of a well-worn path. And I think the rule of three generally exists in, in a lot of different areas. And yeah, because we fucking feel like it, as George said. It's the right amount for the average person's attention span, I think, but any more than this. And you're not even going to remember what Tanith sounded like at the beginning. So uh, yeah. we're going to leave you with those three. And... Hopefully that's a good amount to check out until Virgil and I meet up again for another three. All right. So that was my recent chat with George Solano from the Judas Priest cast. I hope you enjoyed our selections of three from 23. And if you did enjoy any of those bands, I hope you go and check them out and maybe buy an album or buy some merch or whatever, but give them a listen, go and investigate them if you like the clips that we chose on this episode. As I mentioned at the start of this, there is another installment of this already recorded. It's the same format as this. We chose another three releases from 2023. That's going to be coming soon. Also coming soon, hopefully, I have a couple of interviews with band members. I haven't done some of those in a while. And uh, if these go to plan, it's it'll be at least two people who have never had on the podcast before. So hoping that they all go to plan. One of them is set up, one of them is in the process of being set up. So, yeah, let's hope that they happen. Uh, Other than that, I will be chatting to you very soon in another installment with George, as I said. If you want to follow George, you can follow him on Twitter. It's at RiskyGeorgeness, or you can follow his podcast, the Judas Priestcast, at Judas Priestcast. And I am aware, as of today, I think, reading on Twitter, that they are starting up a season two of that podcast in September. So keep an eye out for that. Always an enjoyable listen. Anyway, oh, you can also follow me if you like, at Feckin' Metalcast. They don't often say that, but yes, that's my Twitter handle if you want to follow me there. That's going to do it for this episode of Feckin' Metal. I've been your host, Fergal Trainer, and I will see you next time.